Welcome to this episode of The Square. I'm really excited to be here with Sangeetha Karthik, who is a senior project manager and VP on the education sector. And we've been buds for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me a little bit about um, your background in architecture and, and why you do what you do. Um, that's a great question. So I've actually got two degrees in architecture and interior design. That's so. one more degree than I have. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think I chose architecture at a very early age because it was, to me, it was a perfect combination of math brain and my creative mind. And um, we actually had a family friend that was an architect. Um, you didn't see a lot of those those days. So um, so I had always wanted to do it. What I didn't realize was how much I enjoyed it until I was actually in the profession. Really? So it wasn't something like you didn't enjoy it and then decided to go and be an architect. It's something you kind of got into it and then realized, man, I really, really like this. I, I do because um, what had happened in the studio is it's it's pretty stressful and there's a lot of times that you are just like you, there are so many other things that you could do instead yeah. of this um so when, once i graduated i think i was really not sure um so really my first job was like okay this was a good choice yeah <laughs> i succeeded <laughs> so tell me a little bit about why um why the education sector um, I, I think it was a very unconscious choice for me. Um, I actually started out as an interior designer at oh, okay. um, the uh, Plumwood office in, in Fort Worth with Corgan, my first real job out uh -huh. of um, grad school. And I was with the interior studio, was hired on by them. And then I think, you know, they came to light. I actually had two degrees and I was loaned out to the education sector. And I never wanted to go back yeah. to doing anything else. But I think it was it's a good fit because um, I, I like the social aspect of it in the sense that you really do change the world and the future of, of the world uh, with education. And so um, there's some part of me that likes that. Uh, yeah. But it's really challenging because you're talking about uh, not a lot of dollars, um, a lot of challenges, and um, that presents a lot of opportunity. Well, to that end, I know with both of us having kids, one of the questions kind of on our mind, whether we're at work or not, um, is what's going to happen this fall with mm -hmm. the kids going back to school. And as we were kind of thinking through the episode and, and the topic, um, it occurred to me, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, press and a lot of focus on parents and what's going to happen with their kids. But, but really, I started thinking through the, what are the questions that the districts and the schools are asking because we're all pulling the same direction. Mm -hmm. We all want what's best for the education of the children, um, but they have a really, a really pretty monumental set of challenges in front of them with this being something that, you know, every day the CDC or the WHO is coming out with different mm -hmm. kind of data. Um, how do we create a safe environment for the schools, but still make it something where they're educationally able to progress? So tell me a little bit about some of those challenges. Um, that's a really great question, Brandon, and it's it's a huge challenge. And um, if you're really close to education and, and your educators, uh, you actually begin to understand what they are facing. Um, and it all starts off with our schools, colleges, universities are not just places where um, students and kids go to get um, educated and to learn, right? It's so mm -hmm. much more, especially yeah. your K-12 environments. Um, so you, we saw school districts around the state, all around the country that just had to pivot within a matter of few days, spring mm -hmm. break for us, um, and then completely transition into an e-learning platform. Um, what's interesting, though, is you also have to understand that they, 
that they employ hundreds of people. So it's a workplace scenario that they have to look at. Um, they are pulled in different directions by government entities, by uh, the CDC, WHO, and then there's also the Texas Education Agency that yeah. chimes in for Texas. And beyond that, they have thousands of um, clients, both the parents and the students. So um, it's a huge ordeal for them to kind of, you know, go through this. But be what is really interesting is they have multiple solutions. For every scenario, they have to have multiple solutions um, because they have to pivot and, and do something different. Yeah. Um, and, and I think just the whole situation being very fluid um, and with education these days being very personalized, right? It's all about personalizing the learning for your child right. um, um, who might be in a certain grade and I might have the same child in the same grade, but yeah. you know, it's completely different for the kids. So how do you personalize um, education in a virtual environment um, when there are so many unknowns and how do yeah. you prepare for it? That's it's, it's so true because it, it was funny when we, it was the week after spring break mm -hmm. and um, shout out to our, my child's ISD and more specifically my child's teacher because for the first week, like they would do a Zoom meeting, but there wasn't a lot of homework mm -hmm. to keep them busy. Then I think they overcompensated mm -hmm. <laughs> the second week after spring break, there was like six things that they had to do every single day mm -hmm. and then they they but they very quickly kind of adjusted and really honed it in by the third week which considering that they were doing all of that while also at you know in their personal lives having to deal with the pandemic was was pretty incredible um but it really opened my eyes up to it's not just school to your point it's for some kids it's food mm -hmm. and it's technology and there's uh there's a whole um, wide arena that the schools really support. Mm -hmm. So what do you think like the biggest challenges it's facing right now? I think the, the biggest challenge is going to be fall and what the solution is going to be. Um, because um, uh, uh, we at Corrigan, we're looking at it from different lenses, right? Like what do we do right now? Um, and then you know that there's going to be a long-term solution too. Um, and somewhere in this whole timeline is going to be your vaccine that comes available. Right. Um, so I think the what uh, every school district, every university and college is doing right now is uh, looking at multiple scenarios, getting ready, knowing that every single scenario needs to be vetted out because they have a moment's notice to transition yeah. into that mode. And um, back to what you were saying about your child, I've actually talked to a couple of educators that have said um, for a long time they had been trying to um, completely have a hybrid platform, if you will, mm -hmm. and uh, but they were able to do it in a matter of days, you know, a couple yeah. of weeks, um, because they had to. So I think there are some good lessons that um, everyone will learn and will keep and stay. It'll stay with us uh, beyond this time frame. Uh, but everybody is also anxious to get back because to your point, um, schools and and places of learning are safe places for ch children to go. And it has a direct impact on the economy because, you know, you can come back to work if you have school-aged children right. at home. And so this is this vicious cycle that goes about. Um, and so a lot of our uh, school district clients have actually reached out to parents to understand what their temperature is for multiple scenarios. So yeah. um, they've uh, sent out surveys. They're trying to be as transparent as possible with the results. And uh, we are actually helping a few of our clients look at existing spaces because the Texas Education Agency here in Texas has come out with another um, guideline, if you will, that, that says for about 45 square foot 
per child or an occupant. So we are looking at existing classrooms, existing buildings to see what capacity they can start off with. Because in the multiple scenario, they're looking at a phased opening where you get kids back first that need to be in school, that don't have wireless access, have mm -hmm. parents that are essential workers, or don't have an adult during the day, um, or are behind. So yep. that's a phased opening. And then um, uh, we've heard about the cohorts, right? So you have an A-B day. Um, so you go on an a, a day, I go on a B day, and then we both have an off day where we learn from home. Um, so, that's, uh, so that's another scenario, the extended school year with longer breaks that gives them time to, to clean and get ready. Yeah. Uh, but in all this comes another uh, overlay especially with the public schools like how do you deal with transportation mm -hmm. you know you and i go to the same school well we ride the same bus so the bus has to run more like if oh, it's a, a split point. day yeah um so there's a lot of things that i i think uh, we actually as parents and and as public um just look at it as class schedules right uh, but there's so much more to it. And in a college and university setting, we are talking about this scenario where a lot of classes are skill-based learning. Um, so if you have a, if you're in a nursing program or you're in a medical program, well, that requires you to learn a skill um, that requires special equipment and uh, special utilities. So how are you going to do it's that? It's not stuff virtually? that you just have at home. No, you're yeah. not. And, and then beyond that, it's just like, how does that impact your path to graduation because you need to take this class this semester. Well, you can't take that in fall if you can't go back. Yeah. Um, and so that also directly impacts student enrollment with the colleges and universities bottom lines. Yeah. Um, so it is just this vicious cycle that uh, that is very, very complex. So, so let's talk a little bit more about that. What are some of the differences? Because obviously there are some I think universal challenges, regardless of whether you're in elementary, middle school, high school, Correct. college, higher ed. Um, but what are some of the unique ones? Um, the unique ones are, in my mind, the first thing that jumps to my mind is going to be your facilitator, whether it's your teacher or your lecturer or you know your professor. Right. Um, well, from from an, uh, the education institution's point of view, that's your workplace, right? right? So what are they doing to make sure that they're keeping mm -hmm. their employees safe? So that's a common denominator. And then uh, the other denominator is in education, there's always some resources, dollars tied to uh, student enrollment, student participation, um, really uh, folks on seats, right? Yeah. So how does that affect your bottom line? And then we talk about um, extended cleaning and some of those are low-cost um, initiatives that the, the schools and the colleges can do. Well, not so fast. Can you imagine if, you, if you're if you a school district with like 50 buildings and, uh, you know, do you really have that staff yeah. to do the cleaning? If you're a university, do you have that capacity? And you might, but that's going to have an impact on resources available. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I think so. Th those are some of the common themes. Um, but I think uh, with the universities, I think a lot of the universities in, have announced in-person classes, but you're going to have to wait and see um, how many students actually still show up on campus. Yeah. So, so where do architects come in? I mean, there's, there's a lot of people with opinions, right. but in terms of actually being part of the solution, 
what is the role that you think architects and designers can play? Um, I, I think we have a huge role. Um, I think we could be a partner for all our clients, um, existing and future, um, just because it impacts the built environment and it has a lot of implications on what they can and cannot do. Um, we are also very cognizant of the fact that one solution does not fit all. A large urban school district's needs are different from a small private um, higher ed institution. Um, and we know that um, they're all constantly talking and exchanging ideas. So, you know, but what the, the other lens we can come, uh, we can bring to the table is that we have a lot of insight as to how workplaces, your Fortune 500 companies are going about this. It may, may not be directly relevant to them, but it gives them an insight. Um, beyond that, just the simple task of, you know, uh, we've been going through Revit models and, and sizing classrooms and telling them, okay, for 45 square foot per occupant, right. including the teacher, um, in lieu of your so many kids, you can only have um, fewer kids, yeah. right? Uh, we also worked with our um, clients because they were trying to put Wi-Fi hotspots around their campuses, around their schools, because if you don't have access to that, how do you go about e-learning? Well, sure. you can, if, if I don't have access to Wi-Fi at home, um, hopefully I have an adult that can drive me to the parking lot in a, in a school or a college and I can actually get my work done Right. because you don't have your coffee shops open to yeah. get you that free access. Um, so uh, we've been we, we've been helping clients in, and at least um, letting them know what the short term solutions are and also looking at long term implications, what this might do to building design, education design and um, how, how how systems and planning can actually affect um not just the now, but into the future. So I know there's st again, we're, there's still a lot of um, a lot of thought and 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 intention that will go into what the solutions are. Are you seeing kind of some general principles, um, whether short term or maybe even more appropriately long term, that are starting to emerge? Um, they are emerging, and um, they are all solutions being considered. Um, I, I think at least in the K-12 world, um, again, from the viewpoint of Texas, and actually a lot of school districts around the country, um, they are looking at three scenarios, a traditional model where they just go back, right. a hybrid model similar to some of the things we just talked about, and, and a completely e-learning model. And they all have um, certain implications. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. <laughs> yeah. But beyond that, it also depends, right? Because the situation is so fluid. Um, I think the traditional model, you know, if it opens and they go back to school, well, it's business as usual. Right. It's the other two models that come into play. If it's a hybrid model, who goes to school or right. who goes to college, right? Right. Um, so do you pick the, the students that have a skill-based program versus somebody that could just do a math class online in a higher right. education? Right, gotcha. Um, and in a K-12 world, do you just pick somebody that has an adult and wants to stay home versus somebody that does not have internet access? Right. Um, and then um, I think what's more interesting um, to me as a parent um, of, of two kids, one in, in middle school and one in elementary, is the social aspect of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, everybody is affected, you, me, and everyone else with this new situation. Uh, but for the younger kids, it's more about the social interactions and and the the soft skills that they have to learn. Yeah. Um, and it kind of you know you can almost go into a hybrid model at middle school and at high school level maybe you can completely have a digital model. Yeah. 
but then, you know, how does it affect? So if I have one child that's at home all day and one child that has to go on an A-B day, like how does that work? How as does a that parent? work for your work schedule and everything? Yeah. yeah. And, and I, so I think that's why the complexity of it is just um, is really vast. Um, and once you start unraveling it, it has so many parts and pieces to it. But uh, back to your original question, we are seeing multiple scenarios that they are looking at. Yeah. Uh, knowing that at, at over the course of the year, they might start one. with one transition into two or three, all three, and yeah. then transition back. So having that agility to be able to be fluid yeah. with it is, is what's important. Correct. But you're th- talking, you know, some school districts as large as like, you know, 150,000 students, yeah. uh, not counting, you know, the yeah. faculty and the teachers and the staff. Um, so you're talking lar- huge organizations that have to pivot like this. And uh, some of your clients are four years old. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how the technology angle plays in here, because it it is both, I think, part of the solution, but also can be part of the challenge because not everybody has equal access to computers and Internet and and everything that goes into the technology. Absolutely. I think there's um, two two facets to it. One is, to your point, um, depending on whether they were using personal devices or, you know, district provided Mm -hmm. uh, devices at least at at the k-12 scenario and um, it was really challenging even with us being able to help them navigate you know the multiple websites the multiple passwords because when you're at school it's all there all they have to do is you know it recognizes their user they plug in their their you know id ID number and it's good to go at home uh, the first 10 days were really challenging, but they, you know, we worked through all of that. But I think in the in the big scheme of things, that's a small problem to deal with. Um, you're talking about students that don't have any Internet access. Yeah. So the um, so a lot of our education institutions had to provide devices um, and then have some some um, help desks and some systems in place to provide the help they need right. if they cannot navigate through the technology. But the other in- interesting part that I want to talk about is this uh, this notion of um, VR and mm-hmm. AR being incorporated into learning. Um, interestingly, in the education studio, we were looking at an extended reality mm-hmm. um, model. Yep. Uh, you may be quite familiar with it. It was all fascinating to yeah. us, which involves I guess VR, AR, and augmented, uh, well, VR, AR, and 3D printing and right. uh, all of the facets to it. Um, and so we had um, seen some of those applications at very, very small um, levels, uh, like an um, automonage table that, that has an anatomy model that you can navigate uh, mm. for skills learning yeah. and such, um, or um, a virtual environment where the students can take a field trip to Mars or, you know, so, so I I think um, the lesson that we want to learn from this whole experience is um, not completely discount those um, because the, the clients and the facilities that had all these um, already in place that were, you know, embedded into their traditional learning, they were able to quickly incorporate that into their e-learning platform. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if um, some of the lessons learned uh, would be to actually incorporate some of these into our traditional buildings. Um, So if and when the scenario arises, they could actually expand the learning where skill-based learning and and where kids can actually be in these environments uh, from the comfort of their homes uh, while all of the the amenities and the utilities are somewhere else. So yeah. I think that's that's a, a, a good point to take away at the end of it. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out when we go back to our new normal. 
Yeah, it's interesting. My my oldest is more of an introvert, so mm-hmm. he is totally fine being at home and mm-hmm. reading and doing it. My youngest is an extrovert, and he one weekend was bouncing off the walls. He's like, I want to go see my friends, you mm-hmm. know. And um, so it's been it's been interesting, even outside of school, just in a personal level, figuring out ways to meet both those needs, mm-hmm. you know. And so I can definitely see where the challenges are with with trying to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, all the different scenarios and, and making sure that you're you're ultimately everybody's again pulling in the same direction doing the best they can for the children and the students mm-hmm. um, as well as taking care of your faculty and your employees um, well thank you so much for being with us I really appreciate it if you didn't get a chance to watch the video version of this and you're listening to the audio version make sure you check that out and in the description below we'll have more information thanks so much for joining us